Welcome to the Health Humanities Podcast. Our mission is to facilitate interdisciplinary thinking and creative work related to illness, caregiving, and medicine. I'm Elizabeth Coletti, the Editor-in-Chief of the Health Humanities Journal of UNC Chapel Hill, and this episode we'll hear from Katie Rigitko, who's a student majoring in sociology with minors in medical anthropology and health and society. We'll start with hearing them read their poem, Learning to Forget. We hope you enjoy. My name is Katie Rigitko, and this is Learning to Forget. How do I learn to forget the past 10 years of my life? 10. I see trauma and fear, not playgrounds and friends. Hands around my neck instead of linked arms and four square. 11. I see calorie charts and scrapbooks full of emaciated girls, not middle school and newfound hobbies. Who needs a hobby when you're flying so close to the sun? Icarus did too. 12. I see hours spent in the bathroom and dictionaries full of excuses, not school dances and field trips. I spent my first kisses with death, not people. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I can hardly remember my high school classes, but I can tell you how long you can spend in the bathroom after lunch before your teachers get mad. Instead of attending homecoming, I'm coming home to run three miles or binge and purge or stare at the ceiling while my stomach growls. 18, 19, I see treatment centers and insurers, not sororities and college basketball. My heart beats out of my chest because of malnourishment, not because of watching scary movies with friends. Running on more coffees than hours of sleep on more laxatives than assignments piling up. I know every bathroom on campus like the back of my hand, but I haven't made a single friend. Now I'm left with nothing but bad habits, regret, because instead of learning how to play guitar, I learned how to hide how little I ate. And instead of learning to speak Spanish or French, I learned the language of doctor's offices and the DSM-5. And even when I want to, I can't seem to unlearn these lessons. Yesterday, I ate a snack with a friend and had to go to the bathroom. I found myself hunched over the toilet seat up because I was full. Sometimes I have to will myself to swallow. More often, I have to will myself to get the food in my mouth in the first place. I'm teaching myself like an infant. I'm teaching my body to need. I'm teaching my brain to want. I'm teaching my heart to forgive. I spent the last 10 years teaching myself how to exist on nothing. I'm teaching myself now to forget. That poem can be found in our spring 2020 issue on our website. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I wanted to ask what the writing process for this piece was like for you. How did you put it together? So this poem actually took me um, probably longer than anything I've ever written, not just because I was writing it for a long time, but just from the time that I started it to where it ended up now took maybe about three years. So I think I originally wrote this when I was about 16 as a part of a school project Um, and obviously 
it looked a lot different than it did now because um, I didn't have a lot of the same experiences that I had. At the time, I'd never been to a treatment center. The behaviors that I was using weren't really as severe and neither were the health problems that came from it. So it looked a lot different, but I kind of found it again um, a couple years later, I think when I was moving um, to my apartment now. And I realized how different it was than how things were at the moment, but also how a lot of parts were the same as what I was experiencing and how a lot of the thought processes were the same, even though I had like grown a lot as a person and like obviously I wasn't in high school anymore and I had been to treatment and everything looked a lot different. Um, so I kind of changed it up. And I added some parts that kind of kept the same style of the poem um, with adding some of the experiences that I had, um, like my first year in college before I went to treatment. Yeah, and I think I wrote that while I was in treatment. I was in the second semester of school. I ended up leaving and like going to a treatment center in Durham. And I think I wrote that when I was there. So the way the first half of this poem is structured, kind of counting up the years, seems to put your experience with this eating disorder on this escalating timeline. But then the second half also shows how health isn't always a linear process. So how would you describe your recovery in light of that? Um, I think definitely um, it kind of reflects how I think my eating disorder changed over time. Um, so when I was really young um, and like, the first few years that I was experiencing an eating disorder, so from like 10 years old to the end of high school, everything was very much focused on numbers and rigid rules and weight loss, basically. And then I went to college and things really changed and it became less structured um, and less planned and more impulsive and just a, something that felt so like integrated into like who I was. So I think that is kind of like represented in how like it changes from like numbers to kind of uh, less structured. I sometimes get questions from people I show the journal to of, kind of why is everything so sad? Mm. We have all these poems and stories about death and crushing illness and I think part of that is because those are the experiences that strike us the most strongly the experiences that we can find value in teasing out or maybe exercising out of ourselves onto the page but when I read your piece I also see some really powerful hope at the end yeah I think that um you know through everything um I think um hope has always been um, they're at the very bottom of it. You know, even in my darkest times, I think, you know, I was able to kind of like see an out. And part of that, I think, is because I do a lot of work in the recovery community. So I know a lot of people, a lot of people with eating disorders um, in every, every place on the spectrum. And I know a lot of people that had really terrible experiences and now like 
would consider themselves in like full remission or even recovered. And so I've always like been able to at least see at least one person. And also, I know that things have gotten better before and that usually times don't last very long. Um, You know, I think my favorite quote that I have been thinking about for years is things aren't always okay, but even from rock bottom, I can still see the sky. I can still see the stars. I think there's a lot of times that in, you know, not to be dark, but I've thought like, well, things can't really get any worse. Like things are probably going to get better. Yeah. And also working in the community and everything too. I've always felt some sort of a responsibility to just, you know, showing the duality of things, you know, showing that things can get really bad, uh, but also things can always change. Has writing and also creating art been a way that you've moved along this journey of health? Yeah, I think creativity has really been like a lifeline for me. Um, Even when I was in a space where I wouldn't even consider myself to be like in recovery. um, You know, I feel like there have been some really dark times where I just didn't know. I just didn't really know what to do. And like, you know, I was just very overwhelmed with everything. And the only way to possibly like calm myself down was to just like, right or sometimes I would even just like open a voice memo and like say out stuff I'm a sociology major and then like a medical anthropology minor and so sometimes when things have been bad it it helped to just like intellectualize things and like observe it as if I was doing autoethnography and then um, once I started really being in recovery I really started embracing like creativity more I had like an art journal for a while, you know, in treatment. There was a lot of art therapy that was going on. And we had a music therapist come in that really helped me like reconnect with music again, which is something that I did a lot when I was younger, but I hadn't done for a couple of years. And, you know, now actually this May, I got a music therapist as like my main therapist which I think has helped a lot to just look at things not so seriously and maybe like make things kind of abstract especially after like so long of taking everything very seriously. I really do love that about health humanities that we can look at all of these difficult experiences and illnesses and everything but then we can use the humanities, we can use arts and creativity to draw ourselves out of that and to bring more meaning to it and maybe understand it in a different way. Yeah. What other ways have you explored the health humanities? You mentioned working with other patients. So I do um, a little bit of research with carceral structures in eating disorder treatment. So basically like how higher levels of care like you know residential centers and inpatient centers can like adapt or can give across this carceral structure where you know we see that people are you know locked there they they can't leave they can't go outside or like move a certain amount for a while until like they've reached a certain health state but you know, in a lot of places you can't have your phone and visiting hours are very limited and the rules are can be very strict. The research that I'm doing is not only like about that, but also 
how those structures and higher levels of care translate down into outpatient treatment and um, how like individual providers like doctors and dietitians and therapists can adopt some of that same language and kind of give across the same way of thinking. But also just for fun, I enjoy doing like creative writing and, you know, writing creative essays. And um, I write music, poetry, sometimes just like journaling stuff. And like, I do enjoy writing more of the like autoethnographical observing things. I love the diversity of creativity that you're bringing to these approaches. So you mentioned the medical anthropology minor. What led you to that field and how would you describe why it's important? Yeah, so um, I actually didn't really know uh, much of anything about it until my sophomore year of school. So last year, maybe I think the second semester, um, I, I think I had heard it a couple of times from other people and just didn't really think that I would be interested in it at all um, because I was like, I'm not interested in healthcare. <laughs> um, I don't know. But uh, yeah, and I was actually thinking about it recently um, and how it was like funny because when I was really, really young, like from the time I could talk to like, I guess even all throughout high school in a way, I always just wanted to be, I wanted to be a doctor and like every week I would switch what kind of doctor I wanted to be. And then somewhere along the way, you know, I kind of changed it and changed it for a while um, to different things and then kind of just wanted to be a therapist for a while. Then I changed everything and went into sociology and I took a class last year that was healing and ethnography and literature which was about different writings like popular writings about health and illness partially an English class and partially a medical anthropology class but um, you know we were talking and I had realized that I I just kind of fell head over heels in love with it because I had been in a treatment center and I had been in like a residential care, whatever, the year before, the summer before and everything. But also at the time last winter, like fall and winter, around this time last year, I was doing a higher level of care in IOP program where I was doing therapeutic groups um, and like meals with them in Durham like four or five hours a day and in school and I was working and you know I just found myself thinking a lot like this is technically what I'm supposed to be doing this is what every single doctor has told me that I should be doing but I just feel it's burning me out even more and like I I can't possibly focus on healing when I'm exhausted all the time and you know they weren't listening to certain things that I was saying and chalking certain things up to you know being eating disorder behaviors when I was talking about like actual things I was experiencing and I just had like a really rough experience and I just resonated a lot with what we were learning about in that class about medical anthropology about autonomy in patients and you know 
choosing your own path and like talking about the medicalization of certain things and why certain things are medicalized and why things aren't. Yeah. And I just related to it a lot and um, kind of decided I was doing psychology at the time and just wasn't really into it, like kind of looking for other things and just fell into that by chance and really fell in love. Thank you so much for sharing your story and journey both to your current course of study and in your own experiences with health. And thank you for coming and talking to me today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. You can find Katie's poem and the rest of the Health Humanity Journal Spring 2020 issue on our website linked in the show notes. Or go to hhj.web.unc.edu. The music you're hearing now and at the top is from Andy G. Cullen. Thanks again, Katie, for coming to talk with me, and be sure to watch for our next episode to hear more from the authors of the Health Humanities Journal of UNC Chapel Hill.